I started the business in 2009. 2014, I met this girl. I uh, started dating her. At the beginning of 2015, you know, the breakup happened. And at this point in time, I was running the business, but on a more of a, not as invested into it as I was before. I was really kind of seeing if I can branch myself out to a certain extent. And I remember thinking this at the time, I don't want to not know what I could have done with that business if I was clear-headed, if I had the right tools, if I built the team, if I really took control on a grander scale. And I remember thinking, if I choose to do that, I'm going to have to push away some friends, aka the number one person I had to push away was my best friend, my business partner, because I know he was hindering the growth of the business at the time. And it was either me give up because of someone else or me take charge and eliminate someone else. And as hard as that was, it was the best decision I made because even at the time I was, it, it was causing me a lot of stress. It made me see what I was made of. And that was the, that was probably one of the more powerful things, even though there was many points in time where I was questioning, like I, you know, I lost, lost the, the love of my life, lost my best friend. And what am I doing? You know, it's like, you're kind of dismantling this community that you have of people that, you know, that you've known and that have given you this love and I'm pushing everyone away. But I realized as I was pushing people away, it was making me stronger, me more mindful. And, and that's kind of exactly what I needed to, to do. I just didn't see that before because I knew it was going to cause me some sort of pain. Um, and I wasn't ready to face that. Welcome visionaries, creators, innovators, entrepreneurs, leaders, and growth seekers of all types to the Passion Struck Podcast. Hi, I'm John Miles, a peak performance coach, multi-industry CEO, Navy veteran, and entrepreneur on a mission to make passion go viral for millions worldwide. And each week I do so by sharing with you an inspirational message and in interviewing high achievers from all walks of life to unlock their secrets and lessons to becoming passion struck. The purpose of our show is to serve you, the listener, by giving you tips, tasks, and activities you can use to achieve peak performance and pursue the passion-driven life you have always wanted to have. Now, let's become passion struck. Thank you for joining me on the Passion Struck Podcast. Roy T. Bennett said, you will never follow your own inner voice until you clear up the doubts in your mind. What an amazing quote and lead in to our episode today with Philip Anthony Megan. We start out this interview with him going over the start of his life when he ran a party bus company and his realization that there was more to life than parties, booze, and self-numbing behavior. All a relationship helped him to understand the new course in life that he needed to take. And even though that relationship didn't go the way he intended, never looking back and taking the important steps needed to focus on his own self-narrative and where he wanted his life to go. He talks about how he confronted his inner demons, how that work has led him to his new career, becoming a vegan, his road to activism, and so much more. Now, let me tell you a little bit more about today's guest. Philip Anthony Megan, AKA, the wellness wingman helps overwhelmed women lose weight and regain control through daily personalized support. Philip is a model, commercial actor, an environmental activist, and a certified personal trainer 
and fitness nutritional specialist. He is the founder of a holistic health and wellness coaching business that focuses on providing people with the control, clarity, confidence they need to make lasting changes in their lives. His three-step method emphasizes that building simple and consistent self-care habits are the key to long-term success by encompassing the practices of slowing down, biting the nose, and opening your mind. Now, let's become action strong. I am so excited to welcome Philip Anthony Mangan to the Passion Struck Podcast. Welcome, Philip, to the show. Uh, thank you, John. Thanks for having me on. Well, as I was looking through your background, which I went over before I brought you on, activist, vegan actor, mental health guru, trainer, etc. I think there are so many things here that our listeners and watchers can can learn from you. I'm so excited to have you participate and thank you again for joining us. Oh no, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. I thought a good starting point for the audience would be the transition that you made to the life you have now. But I thought we could go back to when you were operating the company and, and running Party Bus, mm-hmm. um, which many people would think, man, I would absolutely love to have that as a job. So can you talk about how in the world you got into something like that? And then kind of the ramifications that come with it over time. No, it was, it, honestly, it kind of just happened to be, I never like, I guess to, to put it simply, I never knew what I wanted to do with my life, even growing up. I never knew throughout college. It wasn't a clear vision of this is the direction I want to go. And, you know, even though like you're, that kind of is frustrating at times when you look at other people that are so sure about what they want. I don't think it really, I I don't think I ever let it really affect me negatively. I just kind of rolled with it. And when I got into the party bus business, it was honestly because I enjoyed partying. It was, I, I, I enjoyed having a good time. And I actually had a hospitality degree that I graduated with and a marketing degree. But the main reason actually why I got the hospitality degree was because I wanted to bring the party to people. I wanted them to enjoy themselves as much as I enjoyed myself. And I didn't know, I didn't want to work for a hotel or a restaurant or any of that. But I was like, this is a good degree for me. And then marketing also as well, because I'm really passionate about you know, bringing something to life, a brand and, and portraying it in a certain way. But when the party bus business actually happened, it was because I was actually working at a private jet company in 2007 after I graduated college in the, you know, right around that time, the economy just took a dump. And this, this uh, was a startup company. And of course I got laid off because then they went bankrupt, but I was, you know, collecting unemployment money for a year, kind of just not sure. I mean, even I was looking for jobs, couldn't really find anything. And I kind of came into the party bus business through my friend, one of my best friends at the time who owned a bus in the past and was kind of, I saw like the vision of it and I was very passionate about it as well of like, Hey, maybe this will, this will work. We live in this party town. I was living in the college town still that I went to Florida state university and just kind of invested my unemployment money into creating something. And I didn't have a plan laid out, no business plan, nothing. It was just like, 
Let's just get the bus and figure it out. And honestly, for the probably the first man, for the first probably year, year and a half, it wasn't much of a business, to be honest. It was just more so the the partying and the enjoyment from that. And we would make a little bit of money here and there, but nothing really to survive off of on a grander scale. And it was because the way we kind of operated, we were just kind of not serious with it. And over time, we learned and, and kind of adapted and saw what the, the possibilities could be. But that was kind of really um, my starting point of seeing that you're never going to have it all figured out from the beginning. So why not just dive into something and you can figure it out along the way? Yeah, it's great to have a plan, but sometimes you just got to pull the trigger and pull the trigger on it. And maybe it didn't work out as quick as we'd like, but you know, we were channeling a lot of joy during that time. And I think when you're, when you're channeling joy and you're, you know, in all that, you're, you're not in a rush to figure it out on a grander scale, but there's a inner desire for, you know, creating something more out of it. And when you see, start seeing things click and, um, during that time I ran the business for seven years and think about that. I went to school and then I started this business. So it's, I'm almost basically getting three college careers in, you know, if I'm, if I'm, you know, doing, I actually went to school for five years and I got two degrees. So basically a total of 12 years between that and the party bus business, that's a lot of party partying and because it's oh. it's a lifestyle business well and, i've got this picture in my mind of ryan reynolds and what's that what's that movie van, van, wilder? van wilder but yeah that was that's funny we got a lot of comparisons to that at the time and we were like man we are probably crazier than van wilder because we're actually living it and we're actually this is a real life kind of situation but honestly as great as it was the partying aspect, it kind of catches up to you and it's, you start seeing that it's destructive. And you, and, and a lot of times during that party bus phase was me noticing that there's a lot of things wrong when I kind of got sober from, you know, from not partying. So I, I would have this like initial kind of like slap in the face of, man, things just kind of seem off a little bit, but then the next day you go back to partying and you kind of push that down a bit and forget about it. And uh, I think the one thing actually that really helped continue to drive that was I was surrounded by the people that, you know, my friends were doing the same thing I was doing. I was surrounding myself in that environment by getting the clients and all that. So I really didn't know anything outside of that on a grander scale. And I thought it was okay to continue on that way to a certain extent because everyone else was doing it. It wasn't like, hey, Philip, you, maybe you should look at things differently. If all your friends that you're surrounding yourself with are in that same way, you feel you feel that community and that connection to them, then you don't really think that you're missing out on anything else. But at the same time, I, I understand I was very, very selfish at that time in my life. When I look back, especially with my family or even um, the people I dated, a lot of the relationships I was in were affected by my mentality during that time of really kind of, and it was really mainly because I was numbing myself. And, but to kind of speed up this story, Ed, I think it was around like 2013, towards the end of the summer, we would always go on summer trips with the bus. We'd take one across the country. And, and just that was, so, I, and ju and just so yes. I can get a feeling of yeah. 
what this bus is. Is this a school bus? Is it yeah. a big? We had six school buses by the time the business ended. So we we had all school buses that we bought from the school board and we just we bought them pretty cheap and we just gutted them out and painted them like bright, crazy colors on the outside and made them limo style seating on the inside and put a sound system in it. And there was one bus that we turned into an RV basically. And we used to travel a lot during the summer. And, and I think that kind of opened up my eyes to a lot more during the summer trips that we took, you know, we'd live on the bus because we had bunk beds and it was, you know, kitchenette area, all that. But I think like when I was taking those summer trips, it made me see that there was more outside there. And we did a lot of different adventuring to national parks and stuff. So it wasn't just like, Hey, we're going to go party for X amount of time. It was let's go explore and adventure around. And I think a lot of my desire came from those trips of being able to want more. And I just didn't really know what it was at the time. But I remember that last trip that we took, it was 110 days. We went 12,000 miles on this bus. And we went to probably almost every state. I mean, obviously not like North Dakota, South Dakota, Hawaii, Alaska, but almost every state. And I remember coming back from that trip and was thinking like, I'm done. I'm done with like this kind of repeat fashion of we're working all year to go on a trip all summer. There's got to be something else. So I remember like thinking about that on the drive back. There's some desire in there for change. I don't know what it means, but I just know I don't want to keep repeating the cycle. Yeah. And I, I think it's an important topic because I'm imagining there are some viewers or listeners who, who are hearing this, who are probably living a, a party lifestyle themselves. In fact, I know people, whether they're in their 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, who constantly partying, whether it's alcohol or or drugs and or combination of both and mm. living this late night life. And I've recently had a couple guests, one just on Tuesday who, you know, she said when he was, she was in her twenties, her life was all about Prada, Prosecco and parties. <laughs> and I have a guest coming up, Saskia Lightstar, who, you know, talked about before getting cancer, she lived in South Africa. I was the, the life of the party, but both of them said that inside they felt completely differently. And I think that that's something that probably a lot of people who are in this situation are actually experiencing. Maybe on the outside, you look like the life of the party and that's how you might come across. But inside, you could be facing a lot of mental turmoil and self-doubt. Um, is that kind of what was happening with you? Oh yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think cause I got caught up into like, I never really partied before I went to college. And then when I got into college, I saw how, you know, drinking and um, made things almost a little bit easier to meet people and kind of socialize. And I think that's kind of where it all started for me as just, I think we do a lot of things we do just basically because we want love. So I felt like I was getting more love from doing that. And it just kind of became a part of me. And I honestly didn't, over the years as it continued on, I didn't really know um who I, who I was without it. It really, it really was kind of like, this is, the, and I used to have like shoulder length, long hair. I used to, you know, dress in these crazy outfits all the time. And, and I was like living this lifestyle and this, as this crazy guy, crazy party guy. And that was really what defined me. And I didn't really kind of know who I was deep down 
on this grander scale anymore. And there's a lot of times where there's this, just this mental struggle to want to keep going with the business because I knew something was off, but, and, but the thing is, it's like, even if I wanted to, I thought about like escaping, but you don't know really know how to escape that at, at the times, like, especially when you're in a hole, it's like, you don't know how to escape. Everything seems so big and large. So it's like, where do you even begin to escape? And I remember like, I had a, a grand desire to move to New York for a long time. And uh, I'll tell more about that, how I reached to that point a little bit after, but as much as you try to fill yourself up with these things at the end of the day, you still got to face yourself. And even though there was, there was some point and I could see like, I mean, I, I don't think I was an alcoholic in, um, as an addicted, I didn't have an addiction problem, but I think I was addicted to the, to numbing myself in, in a certain way. So it wasn't like, like I can, I never went to like AA or anything like this after I got sober, but I mean, I'm not even completely sober now. Like I, I have a glass of wine here and there and I, I'm fine with drinking, but I just think I was, the way I was operating was a lot because it's all I knew and I was doing it because I wanted love and I, and it was easier to do that than face myself. And when I actually tell you about like that desire I had in like 2013 on the way back, it was, okay, I think I want to try to face this. Yeah. And at that point, what, what was the thing that was keeping you up at night? Like, what was this thing about facing yourself that you were most scared to do? I, I think it's just because when, you, when you're so used to being a certain way for so long, it's scary to face yourself and try to like maybe dissect that and see what what could be different and and honestly it's not like it was keeping me up all all at night it was the fact that i was really numb to knowing that of like the issues that maybe i needed to face so it was really the th the thought process behind it was okay i'm not feeling i'm like i remember dating a girl and basically telling her I dated her for a year and a half and I didn't say I love you to her. And I said, I don't want to continue this on because I feel like I'm hurting you. I can't feel, you know, anything that I'm doing. I don't want to continue like dragging you along in this relationship. So I remember when I broke up with her, that was a, a, a telltelling sign of like, whoa, like you can't feel, I want to feel, you know? And that's where I think what was keeping me up at night is like, how do I like, how do I gain the feeling back? And uh, even though it really wasn't keeping me up many nights, because I would just continue to go back and forth. So I'd take a step ahead and maybe, and then two steps backwards, you know, and it was, it was like that for a little bit of time, but I think because I had the desire and I didn't give up on the desire to, even though it wasn't going as fast as maybe one would like, it eventually led me to, um, a situation where I think it was able, it was able to help me or guide me out of that. And that was dating a, a girl that didn't really, I wasn't really into the party scene. And it allowed me, the more I spent time with her, the more it made me kind of be able to feel, I guess that's the best way to put it, because I wasn't going out as much. I wasn't surrounding myself with everything that I thought defined me before. And that was where really I think the turning point was with uh, my overall um, outlook on life 
that was definitely by not by no means the correction for it, but it was an opening. It was an open open door to it, you know. And I think that's where I always think about that. It's like that was the the turning point to exploring myself on a greater scale. Yeah, the the motto I use for this uh, show is I I say you've got to make a choice, and then that's when the work begins. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to do that work and step into what I call your sharp edges, or it's those daily things of discomfort that you have to put yourself in, mm-hmm. in order to do, to do the work. And it's, so it sounds like in that period of time, you took that first step that you, you made the choice that you were going to change. Yeah. I made the choice, but it wasn't, it was still like, it was almost kind of like an inner battle too, still to like, um, cause I would go back, get back into like being around the friends. And then it was like, this is who I am in front of these people. How do I kind of adapt to being comfortable as in this person that I am in, like that I want to be now that I'm striving for and being more, I saw myself being more at ease and more calm, like rather than like feeling like I needed to be the, the, the crazy guy. It was more of like, I felt this, uh, peacefulness or, um, the Zen-like feeling of this is actually the the pace I like to operate at, not that craziness over here. And I and I think honestly, the real real work that you're talking about really began actually after I dated the girl. She uh, she broke my heart. She you know she broke up with me, and it and it was it was painful. But I mean, now I don't even I'm not even sad about it anymore. I was sad for a while. But at the same time, I made the choice to not revert back when she broke up with me. I made the choice to continue my growth alone and and actually not leaning on someone else that is inspiring me. So I think that was when really the major turning point came and the choice came because no one was leading, guiding me in that manner to, hey, this is uh, I'm doing this because someone else is inspiring me. It was my choice to to do it or not, and I made the choice to continue on with my growth journey. Then, yeah, one of the first episodes I I did I I do the interviews on Tuesdays and then a personal episode on Friday. I called it the Mosquito Principle, and I said on this journey you're going to face a point where you have to conduct a mosquito audit. And what I meant by that is there are people, influences, and activities that happen in a person's life. And until you start facing them, and I define three of them, pain in the ass, the invisible suffocator, and the bloodsuckers, and until you start dealing with those things, it's hard to advance because they keep pulling you back to where you are. And did you find in in order for you to, to fulfill this change, did you have to move away from some of those friends? Obviously, oh, yeah. away from the activities. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I uh, so just to give you a little timeline here. So I started the business in two thousand nine, two thousand fourteen. I met this girl. I uh, started dating her at the beginning of two thousand fifteen. You know, the breakup happened, and at this point in time, I was running the business, but on a more of a not as invested into it as. I was before I was really kind of seeing if I can branch myself out to a certain extent. And I remember thinking this at the time, I don't want to not know what I could have done with that business. If I was clear headed, if I had the right tools, if I built the team, if I really took control on a grander scale. And I remember thinking, if I choose to do that, 
I'm going to have to push away some friends, aka the number one person I had to push away was my best friend, my business partner, because I know he was hindering the growth of the business at the time. And it was either me give up because of someone else or me take charge and eliminate someone else. And as hard as that was, it was the best decision I made because even at the time I was, it, it was causing me a lot of stress. It made me see what I was made of. And that was the, that was probably one of the more powerful things, even though there was many points in time where I was questioning, like I, you know, I lost, lost the, the love of my life, lost my best friend. And what am I doing? You know, it's like, you're kind of dismantling this community that you have of people that, you know, that you've known and that have given you this love and I'm pushing everyone away. But I realized as I was pushing people away, it was making me stronger, me more mindful. And, and that's kind of exactly what I needed to, to do. I just didn't see that before because I knew it was going to cause me some sort of pain. Um, and I wasn't ready to face that. Yeah. So if you're someone kind of going through this, because here you are, you, you had all these friends, you had this fun nightlife, everything else. And now all of a sudden, I'm, I'm guessing as you're starting to push people out and other things, you're getting more and more time on your hands and people go through fear of missing out. They go through, what, what do I do with myself? Because it's, you know, I'll tell you, for me, it was an interesting thing. When I got divorced, you go from, for me, having someone around me for 20 years, plus two kids all the time, to suddenly uh -huh. I had all these periods of time where it was just me. And in that situation, what people do is they get into this serial relationship thing where they bounce right into another relationship because they don't mm. know how to be by themselves. And in my case, I started doing that and it took me finally reaching a point where for two years, I just decided I wasn't going to date anyone seriously. I was going to focus on myself and really go in because I, at that point, I wasn't too happy with, with who I was, but I, I really came to the realization that until I was kind to myself and started really knowing what made myself tick, there was no way I was going to make someone else happy. And I'm sure that relationship um, was similar to a relationship I got out of that was painful at the time. But, you know, looking back, it was probably one of the best things because it allowed me oh, yeah. at that point to do personal growth. Guessing yeah, it sounds like for you. You know, it's great that you knew what you needed to like, you know, you needed to take the time for you. I definitely felt that way from the beginning. I couldn't even imagine connecting with someone else at the beginning there. It's funny because obviously I think I was just more broken on the inside and I was trying to pick up those pieces and to thought about actually even bringing someone else in and having a relationship again, never really even kind of across my mind, I guess that's the best way to put it because I, I, I just didn't think I had any feelings for, I couldn't feel someone like, like that for someone else, I guess. So it kind of led me away from like that aspect of jumping back into a relationship and more of into kind of what you just explained into facing myself and seeing, um, okay, well, why don't I kind of dissect myself a bit more and figure some things out? Maybe why the relationship didn't work. I mean, and that, that took a little bit of time too, because I, I think, now I know like we're all on different growth levels. So maybe I just didn't see that at the time because I was blinded by love. But for me, it made me kind of see certain things that maybe I need to be looking at that I wasn't looking at before. And one of those things for me to begin with, it was always like just to try to find 
some sort of fulfillment from what I'm doing in my life. If you don't have something driving you on a grander scale, you know, like to, that you wake up in the morning for, it's going to be easy just to float along and be mindless with a lot of other things. And I think that's kind of what I was searching for by investing that energy into the the business. When I, you know, when I had to, when I fired my business partner and, and kind of took control of the business on a grander scale, it was, I took this bad situation and I'm going to invest my energy into it and not go back into the, you know, to what I was doing before into the party scene. I, I'm going to feed this business and see what I can do. And that was, that was the therapy for me. Uh, I think at the, at the starting point, I think at first it was to try to prove something, but I realized that no matter what I did, if I was trying to prove something like I should be doing it for me, I think it was at first, it was a little bit driven by, Hey, I'll show this person what I can do. But at the end of the day, I knew I needed to do it for me. And I think that was kind of what led me to eventually leaving the business because I knew it didn't align with me anymore. Okay. And for someone who's listening to the podcast, do you have any advice for if someone's in that same situation and they're trying to take that first step of re-examining their self-narrative, what advice would you give them? I would take the time for yourself to slow down and, and quiet the noise each day. I would take try to set a time aside where you sit with your thoughts and journal. Honestly, even if you don't never journaled before, it doesn't have to be anything structured wise. But I think if you don't take the time to slow down and quiet out all the other noise in your life, you're never going to be able to think about and or feel what you need. And I'm now that's what I do every day. I start my day off not touching my phone, go out, journal at the beach at a quiet area. And I try to dissect what might be going on inside of me. Am I feeling good? Am I feeling off? Is there something that needs to be corrected? Am I feeling great and just want to keep doubling down on that great feeling? But if you don't take the time for yourself, you don't take the time to shut down and separate yourself and slow down, then you're never going to kind of be able to let life guide you or let yourself, your inner being guide you on a grander scale because you're going to be following what other people maybe have for you that you desire because you see on, you know, society's pushing this and you think that you need this or you think that you want that. You got to fear, think about what you want to need. And, and that's, that means shutting everything else off. Well, you just hit one of my biggest pain points that I talk about. And I, I think that is people live by beliefs instead of values. And uh, to me, the difference is beliefs are everything that society tells you about yourself. And it starts with the zip code you're born into, your parents, mm -hmm. you're, you're growing up, but then who your friends are, what social media says. Whereas mm -hmm. I think you took the step of figuring out, you know, what are, what are my values? What's really important to me? And when yep. you make that shift, it, it allows you to get rid of those beliefs because you can focus on what's important instead of all this crap that's that's out there that's limiting you from where you need to go. Did you know that Forbes magazine recently cited that 70% of individuals who do personal development, masterminds, and one-on-one -on -one coaching benefited from better work performance, increased communication skills, and overall better relationships. And we at PassionStruck are obsessed with self-development 
coaching and mentorship. That is why we've created a free resource to help you unlock your hidden potential. Because people doing great things in business and life are just like you, only they've had a coach along the way. And we've got that covered too. Let us show you the systems and frameworks that we teach growth-minded individuals to help them step into their sharp edges, execute on their passion journeys, and get predictable results time and time again. Go to passionstruck.com coaching right now and let's get igniting. I think we've given the audience a, a, a good guide now of where you were yeah. The transition started making now out of these different things that you're into now, fitness coach, personal coach, actor, activist, etc. What was the first one that happened for you? And how did that come about? Well, it was when I was closing down my business. Uh, well, and I think, I think like when I had, I had a desire that I wanted something like I've spent all my time here, like that I've needed, you know, doing the thing that I guess the best way to put it is like, I've yielded all that I could from this business and I'm ready for something, a new challenge. And I think when you kind of throw that out there, then life shows up and, and kind of guides you. And the insurance rate came back at the beginning of the year after me putting out that, and it was super high. And I kind of made the decision to, Hey, well, this is probably a sign and I don't feel resistant. Like I'm losing something. I feel more of like uh, it's opening a door and it opened up a door for what I told you about my, maybe my desire to live in New York. I remember like at that moment, I was like, wow, like imagine what the possibilities could be. Let me see, you know, I'm excited about what, whatever job I might be doing. I never had a, a desire to, like I said, kind of do certain specific things. I just knew I ran my own business for seven years and I, and I had two degrees, so I'm not afraid of getting a job anymore because I, I feel like I'm, I knew my value. And that when I went to New York, I moved to New York in 2016. And I just was very, very open minded, I think, with being in a place that I wanted to be at. I didn't know what I wanted to do. But at least I knew that I wanted to be in New York, get that experience. And I was really excited and happy and channeling joy at the time because think about this, like I just went from not even thinking I would hit that point to looking back about how long that took me to get to the point. I think I had that desire to go to New York for almost like 15 years and then to actually have one of your dreams start coming to life just to get to live there. That's a real powerful feeling. And I think that's kind of what I leaned on. I leaned on the confidence in that. I leaned on the confidence when I cut my hair like the summer before I moved. And it was, I remember my hairdresser saying, like, you cut your hair, you can do anything. And I literally harnessed that feeling because that's kind of what defined me, my hair for like the 15 years that I had it. It was, you know, you're I'm letting go of this person in a certain way, this part of me, and not afraid with becoming more of myself and feeling like what aligns with me. And when I had that, that whole kind of greater confidence and openness, uh, I got into the modeling industry when I first moved to New York, never had a really set plan with that or anything, but it, I think when you're open and life is funny, it guides you and things start clicking and it, it clicked for me. It literally, I mean, it was, it took effort and work. No one just said, Hey, here's 
come on in. <laughs> I, right, I, had to, right. I, had to, I had to get in. But at the same time, when that door opened to that possibility, I wasn't closed-minded. I wasn't closed-eyed. I, I literally saw, hey, wow. And I, and I leaned towards the feeling. And the feeling felt really good with what I was doing with that. And I thought, well, this might not be the end all. But this... I want to explore this and see where it takes me. And that was the, the very starting point of, of everything that I've been doing now. And okay. So you, so just backtracking when you had the longer hair at that point, you weren't doing any mop modeling at all. You moved to New York and it kind of all came together there. Yeah. It's, it's kind of crazy. And I mean, honestly, there was, there was many moments in time through like my college days or whatever that people would be like, oh, you should do modeling or something. And I just be like, yeah, okay. Like, do you want to be my manager? Do you want to like, I don't know anything about that stuff. You know, like, hey, I'll, I'll jump in if you want to like guide me through it. And, but like, it wasn't like even my intention to go to New York and, and do that. It was just like, I was ready to cut my hair at the time. And I cut it right before my cousin's wedding. And I remember I showed up there and just surprised everyone because it was like, no one, I never didn't tell anyone. And, but the thing is like, it literally, a lot of people are kind of the same way with my business. When I cut my hair off, I wasn't like, oh, this is part of me. I was like, I feel like the weight lifted. Same as with the business. It wasn't like the insurance rates come back 80% higher. I know I'm probably not going to have the business anymore. Weight lifted. So that's where I think a lot of that confidence came from. Like I felt less pressure and it allowed me to be more open. And did that lead you then directly into the acting or did that come yeah, later I, on? Yeah. Well, the, I started doing the modeling and then I got in 2017, I signed with two agencies and they just started sending me, you know, auditions for like different little acting things. And I, I was like thinking to myself, I don't even know what I'm doing and no one's taught me this. No one even, but I, I kind of leaned on the same thought of like, no one taught me modeling. I kind of just like, I learned what I needed to do and I did it and I'm leaning towards feeling where I, what, what feels right. But with the acting thing, I mean, I don't really call myself a, a like a greater actor because I don't think I have a desire for that. I do commercials and I, I like the challenge of it. That's the thing is I like the challenge of it because it's in the creativity of it. I give it to the people that want to act on TV shows and movies and all that because that's their passion. And I think it's it's important to know if I don't have that passion, then I don't want to just do it just because I want fame and fortune. And I think that really kind of, um, I took that mentality from the start is people would say, oh, you should do this or that. I mean, I'd like to learn the tool a bit better, but I don't know yeah. if that's like something that I feel an urge to deep down that, you know, I desire. And I think that goes back to what we were talking about with, you know, don't let society kind of guide you lean towards like what you know on the inside and take the time to get to know yourself and what you're passionate about. Because the people that are going to make it are the ones that will keep showing up because they're passionate to learn, to keep handling the rejection, all of that. So the, the acting thing is just, you know, on a minimal scale, you know, it's, it's, I've done commercials, had a, you know, a couple little small lines here and there, but it's nothing that I don't think is a really huge part of me. I think more so, um, I'm more looked at as a model because I do more modeling jobs and acting, but it's still a great, 
outlet. It's still a great tool and I still love to do it. So I think that's the number one thing I've learned with the modeling and acting is I don't think I'll ever stop doing it because I enjoy it. So even maybe I do it less, the more I build up my coaching, but I don't, why stop doing something if you enjoy it? You know, you're known as the the vegan model. Um, So I wanted to hear that story because I have a 17 year old and from kind of the period um, that she was like 11, maybe 15 and a half, she went through the going from a vegetarian to a strict vegan. And then in her case, we had to kind of pull her out of it because at, at one point her blood work was showing that she wasn't getting enough protein mm-hmm. and nutrients in her system. So you know, I'm, I'm guessing throughout most of your life, you are not a vegan. What, what caused that to happen? Well, I always kind of go back to this and I say, get ready to supercharge your hiring experience with Indeed, our fantastic partner. We at PassionStruck are all about seeking smarter, more efficient ways to do things. And Indeed perfectly aligns with this philosophy when it comes to hiring. It's more than just a job site. It's a comprehensive platform that revolutionizes the way you find the perfect candidates. With its powerful matching engine and over 350 million global monthly visitors, Indeed streamlines the hiring process, bringing top talent straight to you. No more sifting through endless unqualified resumes. Indeed does the heavy lifting just for you. And what I love about Indeed is its ability to centralize all your hiring activities. From scheduling interviews and screening applicants to messaging candidates, it's all in one place. During my career, I've hired thousands of employees, and I only wish I had Indeed's efficiency and speed back then. And here's a fact that absolutely blows my mind. 93% of employers, according to a recent survey, say Indeed delivers the best quality matches over other job sites. That's quality and speed hand in hand. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Just go to Indeed.com slash PassionStruck right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash PassionStruck. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I know all those discount codes are difficult to remember, so we put them all at PassionStruck.com slash deals. Now, back to PassionStruck. You know, when you make one change in your life, the, the changes that follow become a bit easier. And I was just on this change train back in, you know, 2016, 2017, where, you know, cut my hair, moved to New York, get in the modeling industry. And right when I got in the modeling industry, like I remember watching a documentary, What the Health, and went vegan the next day. It spoke to me. But I think also, too, like what got me there was being open, connected with myself. I can feel that now. And I think that's where the more I dissect my past and the more I kind of look at what's worked for me is, and that's what I teach people now is like, if you're not open to hearing a message, you're not connected to you. You're never going to be able to, to maybe pick up on the message. So the, the vegan thing came right around the time where I was just really channeling this, this openness flow. And I mean, I still am channeling it now, but I mean, it was one thing after the next with that. And when I did it, I had no clue about <laughs> anything about, you know, vegan life. Honestly, I just think that there was something. And when I really kind of look back at this moment, cause I just hit four years of being vegan. Like, um, I think it was like two days ago. 
But when I look back at my very starting point and what kind of led me to doing it, I remember for a while since I was really in tune to how I felt, you know, just getting really more in tune to how I felt, I was always feeling kind of like there was, I wasn't getting satisfied and, and something was like, I was always hungry and it was just, so I was willing to try something different. That's the best way. So I was looking for, Hey, maybe there's a better way to doing this. And that's kind of where the openness came from. Like the vegan documentary that I watched, it was based on nutrition and I, and I'd been really passionate about learning, you know, how to better my nutrition for years. So that was where the, the beginning point started with it. And I just use my free time, you know, in the modeling industry, you know, you're not working a nine to five. I used a lot of my free time to do research and teach myself about it and, and how to do it. And I was, I, I let my interests guide me. And that's, and I think that's the, the way I was able to thrive with it because I wanted to do it right. If I was going to do it, I didn't want to, I wanted to know, make sure I was getting enough nutrients, make sure I was getting, you know, and, and what, how could I get them and all of that. So I put a lot of work into it or effort into it, figuring that out. And that's what I think has al allowed me to kind of thrive with it on the grander scale. For yourself, whether it is lead, cognitive ability, energy level, what have you noticed in these four years since you went vegan? Because each person has a different response to diet. So for you becoming a vegan, what has it changed about how you feel and how you perform? Yeah. Becoming vegan for me, it, it never had, I never had this mind blown, like bodily change of like, wow, I have so much energy because I was eating pretty good before. I was eating pretty clean. My feeling came in the mind. I became more mindful. It opened up my mind to so much more and I'm more connected to myself. So it made me more clear-headed. That's where my feeling came from, from eating, not just eating the foods, but from learning. And, and, and that's where I became the activist that I am, as in, I want to live a better life for the planet. So I'm being more mindful about say, okay, you got a plastic cup, right? And, so, and this is something as simple as this. I, I remember when I was growing up in, in elementary school, middle school, recycle, 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 you know, plastic's bad and this and that. And it's on more of a minimal scale. Even when I was growing, you know, like in my party bus business where you have all these cups and we're throwing all this waste around, I didn't care one bit about that stuff. But when I became vegan and I started connecting to the feeling inside me, opening my mind to absorbing the information because I was taking care of myself at the time, I was able to look at it in a different way and see like, wow, I can now give a damn about something bigger than me. And that's where I say the, the mindfulness started really coming into play because if I'm taking care of me, then I can take care of something else before I couldn't have done that. And I couldn't make that connection. So that's, that's what really what veganism did to me. Okay. And I, and I saw reading about you and, and your background that you do work for organizations like PETA, Compassion is Beautiful, Fridays for Future. And then I noticed uh, The Lonely Whale. And I wanted to ask you, um, I happened to see a Netflix documentary called Seaspiracy. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen it. Yeah. Great documentary. 
But for me, it was very eye-opening um, in many, many different ways. One of the most eye-opening things I've learned on, on truly what's killing coral reefs, what's the whole ecosystem of how the commercial fishermen control what's being classified as safe and humane fishing because they own those organizations who certify it, willing to find out they don't certify it at all. Um, yeah. But it was just, it was, it was kind yeah. of eye-opening that we're, we're so overfishing that that overfishing is causing, in many ways, climate change, carbon dioxide to build up, which is killing all the coral reefs. And if we don't do something about this, what I, what I learned from this is if you've got dead seas, you're going to have dead population. Can you give your thoughts on that from the standpoint of some of the activism that you're doing? Okay. Um no, great documentary. Like, uh, I'm glad you watched it. I'm glad you were able to like connect with it a bit. But so, the activism that I do, and and this is this is something that I look at in in a very strong way is people they're looking at the biggest part of everything. Hey, we need to make different laws, different different things to you know. Hey, how how do we control the fishermen? How do we do that? Well, at the end of the day. What I find the most empowering thing is what you put on your plate because you can control it. You can't control necessarily what someone else does, but you can control what you do and that's what you put on your plate because that will create a ripple effect of the impact. So the thing is, we have to lean towards the things that are in our control. We don't know what's going on out there, but if there's no demand for it, then it's going to slow down. So if we want to really create an impact, it's about what we eat. And that's where I've really harnessed my activism work on is I'm not pushy on the vegan diet on anyone. And I actually changed my, I, I got away from the vegan model name is branding myself that way because I didn't want it to be a turnoff with people. And I, and I, and honestly, there's so much more that defines me than being vegan, but I think the on a grander scale, we just need to eat less meat, like fish. We need to eat less meat, and and that's not only just because of the planet. It's for even nutritional reasons. You know, it'll better it'll a better our health. So you better your health, and actually, it's cheaper too. So I always say it's like the trifecta. It's like you save money, save your you know your health, and you save the planet at the same time. So the the thing is, it's rather than looking at the things we can't control, we need to look at the things we can control, and it's it's what we put on our plate. And then I'm going to take you to a completely different topic um, because I okay. think the women who are who might be listening or watching, and if they know yeah. who you are or anything about you, they're going to want to hear you talk about weight loss. You know, I know you're a physical trainer, but you also are a health and wellness coach, and one of my favorite uh, episodes I have done so far was with a young lady uh, named Mac Brazina, and she brands herself the human builder. And she has this concept that she went into it uh, to be a physical trainer. And, but she said, you know, when you're doing physical training, it's really about an hour of a person's life. But what do you do with the other 23 hours? Because that's where the magic happens. And so you know, that's where her whole thing is about. It's yeah, you can come into the gym, but if you're not doing everything that you need, 
you need to be doing those other 23 hours, then, you know, what's the point? So is this similar to, to the way you, you are embracing your coaching? Yeah, hundred percent. The thing is, it's funny is I became a personal trainer and got certified with never the intention to train people in the gym. I never had that intention. It was to gain more knowledge and then to be able to, uh, gain another nutrition certification onto, onto the personal training certification, which I have. So that was never my, Hey, I think people need help with working out. Cause I, that's not my passion. It's never like to teach someone an exercise. I'm more passionate about teaching people the habits and teaching them how to self-discipline themselves and to, to harness their control over, over certain things. And, and, and I think that's what, what she's doing is aligns very much with me because I teach more so people how to do everything outside the gym. Sure. I help them as well, you know, give them a, maybe a plan to, to go about if they want to try to get certain, it depends on what their goals are, obviously. But if you are interested in weight loss, the biggest piece of the puzzle is, is what you're putting in your body. and also what you're putting in your mind, you know, wellness, certain things like a, even a stress level can prevent you from losing weight. You know, there, there's, there's so many different factors, but if you're not overall well, then you're never going to shed the weight in a, in a way that is probably going to be, you're, you're actually going to probably be approaching it wrong. If, if you're not looking at all the areas of your life from the sleep schedule to the morning routine, to what you're putting in your mind each day to the habits you do, to what you're putting in your body each day. Yeah, it's interesting you bring that up. I was listening to a Tom Bilyeu Impact Theory podcast, one of, one of mm-hmm. my favorite uh, when, I, when I can get a chance to hear him. And he had a person on who had written a book, you know, and most people will say it's calories in, calories out. And he was like, that's not it at all. Mm-hmm. He goes, maybe a tiny bit. He goes, but it's more what makes up those calories. Mm-hmm. That's important, you know, because you could be putting crap calories in you or you could be, but he said, it's also what's your cortisol level? You know, how is stress yeah. impacting in you? Are you getting sleep? Are you finding time for mind mindfulness? He's like, yeah, what he has found in his research, it's similar to what you're saying is it's a group of different things that all have to come together. But if someone tells you it's just calorie in calorie out, you can eat some pretty crappy calories. And I guarantee you, if you're not eating the right calorie intake, it's, it's probably not going to do anything. No, exactly. And I think the funny thing is, it's like all our bodies are, we're all different. We don't approach things like that. You don't even approach it from like, even like a, in a school standpoint of growing up, then you go to elementary school or middle school or high school, they're teaching everyone like they're on the same learning curve or they're, you know, that's how they, that's how they learn. This is what maybe I learned differently than you, or this is, this is the way I like to be taught, but it's a standardized way. And even when people, you know, you find a lot of coaches out there, even from uh, nutrition coaches or, you know, fitness coaches, any type of coaches, you know, they'll want to put up a library of things and say, Hey, this is the best way to do it. How do you know it's the best way for everyone? Because we're all different. And, and what I like to do with my clients is I really like to dissect their lives and kind of and dissect them, like try to get them to open up on a grander scale. Because I think when you open up, um, kind of what I told you before is how I made all the changes to my life. When you open up and 
and keep peeling off those layers, that's when you can really thrive with your overall wellness. And the diet is just this, it's a bigger piece, but at the same time, if you're putting up a block in other areas of your life, the diet might not do, do, do you justice the way you want it to. So I think there's a, there's a lot of beauty around leaning towards the feeling too, and, and doing it out of joy rather than doing it just to do it as in looking at it as work all the time. I, I had a client recently that, you know, she, she lost about 12 pounds in the first three months and it was mainly through the diet, I think, and a lot of the little small changes. And I remember she told me like she started going to the gym and she was rushing out of the gym because she's on the time crunch. And she, I think there's a lot, of, there's a lot of connection when if you're not being fully present to absorb that activity, if you're not being fully present to enjoy that activity, your body's going to know that you're just doing it and you're not even, maybe your body doesn't even know that you really do it because it's just like your mind is somewhere else. If you were actually able to sum me up, I'm like more of a mindfulness coach because I really want our mindset coach, because that's the foundation for your overall wellness, because it's going to keep you eating the same thing. It's going to keep you like navigating towards your, you know, the things that you enjoy, keep you on the right path all the time. So health coach, yes. My, and the mindset is where it all, all begins though. For me, the, the gym is one of my most sacred uh, time periods. And I, I know people who see me in the gym wonder why I go at it so hard because I, I, you know, I work out hard and then I do spin classes. I do other things and I'm like, nice. well, because I like to put myself intentionally in discomfort mm-hmm. because it wakes up the body, it wakes up the soul. And it, you know, it makes me realize that who wants to do claims someday or military press or other mm-hmm. things, even when I'm in a spin class, sometimes I'm like, this is the last place on earth I want to be, but it's having that willpower to, to get through it and realizing yeah. that if you can get through that, then whatever else is going to hit you in the day, you can get through it as well. And that's yeah, kind of, I love that. I love that's it. kind of how I, how I approach the gym is if I can do that one act, I can do anything in the day. Ah, that's awesome. That's pretty much the same way I, I kind of go in. It's, that's my therapy. Honest. That was my therapy before I started using a, a mental health therapist. This is my time to focus on me and to challenge myself. And there's this, uh, this greater beauty behind pushing yourself past a certain point, especially when you don't want to do it or pushing yourself past a certain point that you've never gone before. It's because it's very empowering. You gain more confidence in yourself that you can handle anything and that you can do anything. That's where the connection really becomes very powerful is when you can align with all those things and keep, and you want to keep doing them because you say, okay, well, I didn't think I could get this far before. And then like, let me, let me keep going. And then that's where I think the, I approached my self growth from was, wow, I thought I knew myself, you know, a little bit, you know, a couple of years ago. And then now it's like, whoa, like now I know myself even more because I never stopped. It's just, you're, you're opening the door and you want to keep getting better. And I think that's, Honestly, I think that's the meaning of life is really how to do life better and how to, how to be more present with it. Well, I'm going to end there because I don't think you could say it any better, but um, <laughs> I always like to give the guest 
the opportunity to give themselves a shout out. And if anyone would like to get in contact with you, what are some, I'll put them in the show notes, but uh, what are some mechanisms for them to do that? Okay. Well, I go by the wellness wingman and uh, I would love to connect with you guys via my website, philipmangan.com. I offer a free 30 minute coaching call and uh, I call myself the wellness wingman because I really am a support system uh, for people throughout their, their journey of change. I don't really just give them a plan. I guide them through it. I'm, I'm there, their support system, um, until they can fly on their own. If you want to learn more, you can go to my Instagram page, Philip Anthony Mangan. I do a lot of my um, coaching uh, you know, posts through that, just uh, mindset, anything uh, nutrition-wise. So I would love to connect with you. Don't hesitate to reach out. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, what, thank you. What a great interview. Ah, I appreciate you, John. I so much enjoyed that interview with Philip Anthony Megan, and we covered so much ground. Everything from his party bus life to that pinnacle voice that he made to change his life direction and how by looking at his inner narrative that opened up the universe for him and all these other possibilities that came into his life. And during today's episode, I talked about a number of other episodes that I've done leading up to this one with Philip that I wanted to give you some insight on if you want to check them out. One of those was with Abigail Barnes, and we talked about how her life changed in an instant when she had a stroke at 32, and how she went from living the life of Prada, Prosecco, and parties, similar to Philip Anthony Mandon today, to changing her complete outlook on life and reigniting how time matters so much in everything that she does in her life. And so that's what we talk about, how to be a scientist in your own life and turn your time into productivity. And I also brought up Saskia Lightstar, who underwent breast cancer and following that completely changed her life's journey as well through that encounter. And she's written a, a book called The Cancer Misfit, and now is such an inspiration to so many. So another great episode to check out. And then lastly, I talked about a core concept that I have called the Mosquito Principle. One of my early and most listened to and watched episodes that I've ever done. And it's all about how you can do a mosquito audit in your own life. Thank you as always for listening and watching to this show. And if you really loved it, I would appreciate a five-star rating and you sharing it with other growth-minded friends who could get inspired through today's message. Remember, make a choice, work hard, step into your sharp edges. Thank you so much for joining us. The purpose of our show is to make passion go viral. And we do that by sharing with you the knowledge and skills that you need to unlock your hidden potential. If you want to hear more, please subscribe to the Passion Struck Podcast on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts at. And if you absolutely love this episode, we'd appreciate a five-star rating on iTunes and you sharing it with three of your most growth-minded friends so they can post it as well to their social accounts and help us grow our Passion Struck community. If you'd like to learn more about the show and our mission, you can go to passionstruck.com where you can sign up for our, our newsletter, look at our tools, and also download the show notes for today's episode. Additionally, you can listen to us every Tuesday and Friday for even more inspiring content. And remember, make a choice, work hard, and 
step into your sharp edges. Thank you again for joining us. 